0: Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is next round of Five Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we move forward as a drinks business following the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Kim Kavoris. She's the owner of One Court Studio in Greenport, New York. Kim, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks for having me, Zach.
0: My pleasure. Uh, so let's start a little bit about with you, about you and, and your backstory. Uh, when I met you, uh, you were working as a sommelier uh that is not currently the case. Uh, so, so what's your back? What's your background?
1: Uh, how far do you want to go back?
0: <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about where you went to elementary school, that's fine. But let's maybe with the maybe with the wine industry. Let's start there.
1: That's good. My 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 real backstory uh, has always been in hospitality uh, ever since college. Uh, really, just as a as a job, I had no idea really what I was doing. I to school for PR, uh, but ended up working at some really great restaurants where I didn't even really know where I was at the time, working in Boston for Ken Oranger and Jamie B. Sinet at Toro and Copa and Uni Sashimi. Um, and then that's where I really fell in love with wine. Uh, I was at a staff tasting and I tasted something and I was fascinated that it didn't taste like the next thing. And I just picked up a book, the wine Bible actually, and just got to it. Uh, so it was a very, uh, natural thing for me, uh, ended up in New York working for Paul Greco at, uh, Terroir East Village, as well as his Murray Hill location, and also transitioning into hearth, um, as a sommelier on the floor for a bit. And then I went around and, uh, did two harvests in in, uh, in one year in uh, Clare Valley, Australia at Pikes, and then it came back and went to Etude in Napa, um, and then came back from there, worked Aviram Terjeman at Marseille and Café de Alsace, which was a wonderful experience, then took a little hiatus from the floor for the first time and took the North American sales representative job for hedges, um, which was Awesome and an incredible experience. That family is great. Uh, but believe it or not, I missed the floor. So I came back to New York and uh, worked for Danny Meyer uh, at USHG uh, at Maiolino, where I became the assistant wine director and then became the wine director at Marta, and then went off to Blue Hill Stone Barns as a sommelier after that. So that's kind of the long and short of it, I would say.
0: And that job is what took you out of New York City, I assume.
1: Uh I yeah, I stayed in New York City for my apartment and I actually I commuted, which
0: Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> it was you know, it wasn't too terrible when you think about like how long I spent on the subway in Manhattan. Uh mm. it just it it wasn't really that it wasn't that bad. I mean the hours were definitely long, but it was uh it wasn't wasn't bad.
0: I just think about like getting into the car after a long night and trying to, and having to drive home. And I've only had to drive about 15 or 20 minutes max in those times, in in those times. So uh, I suspect it was a slightly longer drive plus, you know, finding parking.
1: The parking actually took longer. I think some nights.
0: Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Okay. So, so you're, so prior to this current venture, You know, you're working at the, I think like one of the, I mean, you worked at a lot of iconic restaurants, obviously, but what, what made you leave restaurants?
1: So I have always, I mean, the end goal to me was to always have something of my own. Um, Not really knowing what that was going to be or what was really going to speak to me, whether that be a small wine bar. I wanted something to call my own um, eventually at some point. And this opportunity presented itself uh, at a time where I almost wasn't really ready to leave the floor. Uh, I wanted to stay at Blue Hill at Stone Stonebarns until I probably couldn't feel my feet anymore and needed to come off the floor. And uh, I really enjoyed working there and the rush during service and the high intensity of it, as well as like the, the great wine list that I was able to work with. Um, but the opportunity presented itself and I said, I, I can't pass this up. Um, there is a lovely wine shop that was in Greenport, New York, uh, and the owners were looking to sell. It was a successful wine shop, and they were looking to sell their business and get out. And uh, I approached them, and that was that was it. That was history from there.
0: Gotcha. And when was that?
1: Uh, that was in late uh, late 2019, very late 2019.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you kind of, so when you stepped in and took over, uh, and you purchased the business, you know, to what extent was, were you looking at kind of keeping things going the way it had been versus making some significant changes?
1: Uh, there were some significant changes made in, or are you, you're talking about in the shop from yeah. now? Yeah. Uh, there were definitely some significant changes that were made, uh, in regard to the inventory. I mean, it's very, one thing about it, it was, it was a shop that was successful. It had been open. It was always, it's actually been a historic shop called Claudio's, uh, which had been open forever. I actually don't even know the date it would been open, but, uh, and then it became this other store called spirited, which was open in the space for about three and a half years um, from a lovely couple who didn't come from the industry. Uh, And they did quite well. They focused on, Um, indigenous grape varieties and things of that nature and they wanted somebody else to take over from them that had like that same vision I would say or to really catapult it to the next level and so I you I sized I'm sizing down the inventory Uh, it's quite humbling to take over another inventory as well especially coming from places like Maialino and Blue Hill Stone Barns and, and stuff like that so it's been a it was definitely something that I have changed up quite a bit. Gotcha.
0: And so obviously, there's a there's a lot of big changes when you go from working on the floor of a restaurant to when you go to operating a wine shop, uh, something sometimes it's as simple as the hours. But but was was it hard for you? Or or what was that transition like in terms of connecting with your customers?
1: Uh, The way that the shop is set up, Right now, is it's very tiny. It's probably about 800 square feet. Oh, okay. uh, not very big, and which means the selection is quite often rotating. As like I'll buy a couple cases of something, and once it's gone, it's kind of gone. Unless I felt like it really had a great presence and people really enjoyed it, then give it another go and, and then switch it up. So people are getting this one, especially with COVID and only allowing certain amount of people in the store at a time. People are getting this one on one, like experience where you almost have a private consult with me when you come into the store, uh, which I think is definitely interesting. Uh, the space is very open. It's very airy. Uh, everything is on the sides. Uh, and it's just kind of this minimalistic approach to a wine shop. Uh, it almost doesn't feel like you're in a wine shop. It feels like you're kind of in my home or something like that, which was with a vibe I wanted to give it. Um, so I, I've maintained that one on one approach. If anything, I have more time to deal with, to talk to people. I think.
0: Oh, okay, very cool. And so, you know, you mentioned it. So let's talk a little bit about how things have changed uh, since you know March or so with with COVID. Um, what were some of the like What were some of the changes you made initially, and then um, say now and moving forward? Um, are there Are you doing things differently? Do you think you'll be doing things differently for the foreseeable future? Like, what's your read on that?
1: So when COVID, I opened April fourth, um, which was basically after the March rush of everybody buying as much alcohol as they possibly could because they didn't know, nobody knew what was going to happen.
0: So I'm sorry can I can I just ask a clarifying question real quick? Yes. So so you took over the business in late 2019, but during that from then until. Uh, April 4th, the, the shop was not open. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: the shop was not open. The shop was, um, I just, you know, we did a little paint job, uh, gave it some new floors. That's, you know, just had to wait for all the kind of people to come in and and say, yay, you're allowed to open now um, and just waiting on things like that. Uh, so I finally got the go ahead from the town uh, April 1st to open. Um, oh, okay. And the SLA and all of all of those parties. So uh, we closed January twenty third on the business, and then did not open until uh, April fourth.
0: So was there, there must have been a couple of uh, sleepless nights in mid to late March because uh, you were, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, you know, all the sort of panic buying had happened, and now you're opening into a totally unfamiliar landscape.
1: <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I even though I've been coming out to Greenport for quite a long time, there's uh, not a ton of fine wine retailers out here and not really knowing what to expect uh, and how people would gravitate toward that. Would they they want this? Is this something that people are looking for? And I just kind of continued with my vision of and you know, expanding people's minds and expanding their palates and introducing them to different grape varieties from all over the world uh, and I just opened the doors and, and kind of hope for the best. One thing I did do, which Covid pushed me to do, was online presence. Um, I was originally going to have a website with a landing page um, and but not have my whole inventory online but uh, that's when the sleepless nights started for sure. Was getting a website up and going in a week because I was that was the the only way I think to get by. Everybody was ordering online uh, for pickup and local delivery, so that was huge and that made me pivot my business in a way that I'm, I'm very thankful for. Very thankful for.
0: And is that still kind of the the bulk of what you're doing now? Is is people ordering online and either picking up or getting delivery locally?
1: Uh, no. Everybody comes in. Um, oh, wow. I have a couple people that will that still actually continue to order online. I don't think they've ever been in the shop since it reopened. It's quite funny. Um, but I, I, uh, they order some wine every week and I, I bring it to their house. They, they're really utilizing that service. Um, but other than that, people really enjoy coming into the store and talking and chatting and changing up their uh, selections week week by week.
0: Gotcha. And as far as um, you can tell, is the clientele that you're working with, you know, kind of a lot of the existing customers from the previous shop that was there or people who know you from the restaurants or what?
1: Uh, the clientele seems to be a lot of people who have, uh, Greenport is definitely a a summer destination, I would say. Uh, There are people that live here all year round, but it's an old fishing village and it's beautiful during the summer here. So a lot of people either rent a home out here for the summer or parts of the summer, um, or they have a second home out here and live in Manhattan full time uh, and come out here for big holidays, uh, things of that nature. But now with COVID, we're actually seeing a lot of people who are, this is no longer their summer home, they're moving here full time and dropping their apartments in the city, uh, and things like that. But so it's a lot of people that have found the store because they, I, I saw it mm-hmm. online, like used to go there. Cause it was the old store, but are also like, wow, these are like, uh, these are wines that I see in my restaurants in the city. Uh, these are, there's just a, a community that's quite actually well-versed. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great, who dine out a lot, who travel a lot, uh, who want to experience all these different things.
0: Very cool. So let's talk a little bit about what um, you're currently kind of feeling the most, uh, or what what you're selling that you're having the most success with, and then maybe what you're most excited about. So do you, I mean, I know you've only kind of been open in this capacity during COVID time, so you can't talk about how things have changed, but is there anything that you've been having a lot of success with that surprises you?
1: A little bit. Yeah. Um, so when I, I first, I have, I mean, I think most wine professionals really love Gamay, uh, and red wines on the lighter side. Um, but I can't speak for everybody, but I know a large part of the community does. Uh, there's a, a sort of trend happening right now where people are loving chillable reds. And that was the last thing I thought that people were going to ask for on a very, very consistent basis out here um, at the eastern tip of Long Island. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, there's a lots of kind of fun, chillable summer style reds that People are enjoying. Also, there's been a lot of uh, requests for uh, people looking for orange wine, um, which is great. So in the term of like, people are exploring, they're exploring all their options. They're not confining themselves to red versus white to just some rosé. Uh, they're definitely expanding their be- their own boundaries uh, in what they're drinking.
0: Cool. And, and in those categories or, or others, are there anything that you're Selling me now that are or sold recently that you're particularly excited about?
1: Again, people are drinking a lot of cru Beaujolais. Uh, the Georges de Combe wines have sold really quite well, which is awesome. Also, I had somebody come in the store actually looking for Ruke the other day, which is oh. an indigenous <laughs> variety from Pimonte. So, uh, there, there's a lot of exciting things in the store that are quite fun. People are drinking a lot of sparkling, um, and they're really taking to the small, uh, small winemaker. Um, I have a couple people turned on to the Pierre Baillet Les Villages wines um, made by Alexander Charton's wife. Um, people come in looking for Vouv, and I point them in that direction and they're happy. So uh, it's the small, small victories, I would say.
0: <laughs> Excellent. And then uh, again, you know, looking forward is always tricky in, in any time and, and in these Times almost impossible, but you know, do you do you get the sense that um, are there things that you would like to be doing now that you're not able to do because of COVID that you imagine integrating into the business going forward?
1: Yeah, the, a lot of my my initial idea and uh, for the store was to have education, and that was a big focus and a major brand pillar for One Court Studio, and with that, it's having wine classes is just not a doable thing for the store at the moment with the fact that people have to wear masks and there's all these other precautions. Meanwhile, like getting 10 people in a room to taste wine just doesn't sound incredibly safe. So that is something that I want to work toward in the future. Uh, That is definitely something I wanted to do in the beginning, but sadly is not happening at the moment. Um, so I kind of take to my Instagram and throw a little bit of educational posts um, up uh, as my kind of as my educational focus at the moment.
0: For people who are interested who are listening to this, what what's the where's where do they go?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram at one court studio. And then my website is onecourtwine.com.
0: Very cool. Uh, anything else that you feel like uh, you wanna you wanna share about the experience of uh, opening a wine shop during
1: COVID nineteen? <laughs> uh, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life, um, for sure. It's fun. It's amazing. You, uh, I'm I'm my own boss, which is great. But again, I, I'm I'm very very hard on myself, and I, I want this to be a great little shop and provide a great experience for people. And again, open people's minds and palates to explore other wines, uh, and to do different things. And it's just, there's nowhere to look in terms of, I have the store's PNLs for the last three prior three years, but that means nothing right now. So just trying to adapt consistently trying to adapt the deeper we go into this uh, and trying to give people exciting and fun wines and a way to distract them by coming into the store and feeling like they left their their real lives for a minute came into the store learned something fun got to try something new uh, and you can then continue on their day
0: awesome well kim thanks so much for your time really appreciate it uh, getting the perspective on operating and, and opening a wine shop during as you mentioned the uh <laughs> about the worst possible time that uh that you could have done it but Congratulations to you for, uh, for taking the plunge and uh, look forward to seeing what happens going forward.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Zach.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the VinePair podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Petrie and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon and the rest of the VinePair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again right here next week.